0: Well, we're in this series that we've titled, Let God, and uh, I want to start with a story this morning of a phone call. The phone rang, and uh, with a whisper, the voice on the other side answering the phone said, Hello? The person who called said, Is your father there? And the voice, again in a whisper, said, He's speaking to the policeman. So now with a little concern, the voice asked again, is your mother there? And the voice in a whisper said, she's talking to the fireman. And now in the background, he could hear sirens and helicopters and all kinds of noise of emergency response teams. And the man asked to that whispering voice, what is going on? I hear ambulances. I hear, I hear sirens. What is going on? And the voice said, they're looking for me. You see, all of us, all of us at some point in time, we try to play hide and seek with God. And it's not that we want to hide. It's that we want to hide God. God. If I were to ask you this morning, where is God? Well, some of us who grew up in church and learned stories, we could easily say God is in heaven. Some of us in a more traditional background would say, Well, God is in church. The problem is that God It's not limited to a place and a time. God is everywhere. I want you to take your notes out. Those, uh, I don't know, I'm colorblind. I don't know if it's green or blue sheet of paper that you got. It's blue. How many of you say it's blue? How many of you say it's green? Wow, some of you. Okay, that's interesting. All right. All right, well, that blue, that greenish, bluish sheet of paper, take it out. And let's take a look at what Jeremiah chapter 23 says. Am I a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not feel heaven on earth, says the Lord? As we read the words of Jeremiah, we find some interesting things about the presence of God. If you realize the questions are like one of those questions, it's a hot today when it's 100 degrees. One of those obvious answers that there's not, no, there, there's no, there's no other possibility but to say, yeah, you're right. So God is asking, do I feel heaven on earth? And yeah, you're right. Am I not close to everyone? Yes, you're right. God is everywhere see last week we talked about his knowledge and 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 the word is omniscience but today we'll talk about another word omnipresence see we we have difficulty understanding the the concept to be everywhere at once because we are finite creatures we wish at times that we could be in more than one place at a time am i wrong sisters you know, be at school, be at home, be at work, be everywhere. Yeah, because we want, we oftentimes, we long to be in a different place at the same time. But see, God is able to do that. God is not limited. And, 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 and one of the reasons why it's so difficult for us to understand it is because the nature of God is not corporal. God does not have a body like the, the body we have. God is spirit. And that allows Him To be everywhere. Now there's one thing that we need to understand. The fact that God is everywhere does not mean that God is in everything. Let me explain. There is a, 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 a theological idea called pantheism. And pantheism teaches that God is in everything. God is in the plants. God is in the flowers. God is in the trees. God is in everything. Let's not confuse the creation with the creator. The power of God is manifested in the flowers. Yes, it is. The power of God is manifested in the trees. Yes, it is. The power of God is manifested in the ocean. Yes, it is. But it's not God. It's His creation. God is a creator. And even though God can be everywhere, He is not everything. Now, once we got that out of the way... Why is the omnipresence of God so important for us today? What does that have to do with my problems today? What does that have to do with my, with my lack of savings or my problems in my finances? What does that have to do with, with, with my issues in my home and, and my marriage? What does that have to do with my family and my job? But see, oftentimes our problem and our, and our worry and, and our depression and a lot of things occur because... At some point in our lives, for some reason, we have allowed what surrounds us, our problems, to take over our life. And in a little bit or in a lot, that is affected the way we see the world and the way we see life. But when we understand that God is everywhere that His presence is constant, that His presence is here today and is there tomorrow, and was there yesterday, our perspective of life changes a little bit. I want to share with you one of the reasons why it is important to understand that God is everywhere. Have you ever feel, felt lonely? You know, it's interesting because oftentimes we think that being lonely, that being lonely is... when. You're segregated when you're alone in the house, when you're apart from everybody. But no, no, no. See, a lot of people today, in fact, some of you today might feel a little bit lonely. Even though you're surrounded by people. But see, when I'm lonely, God has promised to be my companion. And I need to remind myself of that. I need to remind myself of that. Because I'm going to share a little bit with you of my... Some of my issues. The ministry could be a very lonely place, but but you have a lot of people, right? You you minister to a lot of people, but see, being with a lot of people doesn't mean that a lot of people understand what you're going through. One time, I, I was told when I was in seminary that the only other person who understands a minister is another minister. And oftentimes that happens in our lives. We forget that there's people who's going through what we're going through. We, ha- we forget that there's people who, who's suffering what, we've, what we're suffering. We, we, under- we forget that there's people who's going through what we're going through. And, and, and because of that, we think, oh, nobody else understands me. Psalm 25, 16 says, turn yourself to me and have mercy on me for I am desolate and afflicted. This is... The psalmist, this is David telling God, God, I- I'm alone. Nobody understands me. Please, somebody, somebody. And we feel like that at times. Because it hurts when you're lonely. It hurts. It hurts. Especially when you're young. When we're young, it's, you remember, you remember. All your friends had girlfriends and, and boyfriends and you didn't. You remember. It It hurts feels weird. Okay, everybody's together. You know, I remember when I, when I was a, a, a young kid and, and used to go to Sabbath school class, and, and, and when the topic of creation came around, you know, God created the bunnies, and there was a, the bunny and the bunnyette, and, and the deer and the doe, and, and this and that, and God saw that Adam was alone. That is so deep. Let me tell you why. Because God said, it is not good for man to be alone. God made us not to be alone. And let me explain why to you. Because God says in everything that he did in creation, he said, and he saw that it was good. But now he looks at Adam and he says, it is not Good. God was not created to be alone. Humanity, men, women, we were not created to be alone. We were created to experience solitude, not loneliness. Solitude is the experience of being alone with God. Loneliness is being apart from everyone else, including God. Can you be lonely in a crowd? Yes. But we were not designed to be that. In fact, Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself was said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Regardless of the circumstance that you're going through, don't forget. God is there. God is there. Our problem is not the ability and power for Him to be there. Our problem is that we don't realize that He is there. We don't want to accept that He is there. We don't remember that He is there. In fact, sometimes we don't want Him there. And that is when loneliness sets in. But the benefit of understanding this, is that when I understand, when I realize that God is there, the benefits of of His presence is that God's presence cheers me up. You know, last week I was telling you about the magical powers of driving into the church's parking lot. Remember that? That everything goes wrong at home, but once you come into the church, happy Sabbath. Well, the same thing happens the other way around. Sometime, sometime, uh, a brother left the church, and we were talking outside uh, after worship, and he said, Pastor, you know, uh, when I leave church, when I'm here, I feel so feel, so happy, so so enthusiastic. But then Monday comes, and and, and Tuesday, and, and I don't feel the same anymore. That's right. And I said, well, perhaps it's because when you come to church... You, you open the word, you sing, your heart is receptive to the presence of God. But when we go back home on Monday and Sunday and, well, usually go Sunday first, right? Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, maybe the Bible is not open. Maybe Maybe there's no song in your heart. And whatever attitude you'd had at church on Sabbath when you worship is no longer present during the week. And of course, The acknowledgement of the presence of God in your life is not going to be the same. Are you breathing? So the benefit of understanding that God can be with me every day of the week cheers me up. And the fact that it's just at hand, it should give us comfort when we feel lonely. The second thing that I want to share with you is that when I'm worried, when I'm worried, God is my confidence. God is my confidence. It's funny. When we're young, we want to get old, right? I see my kids and then they're thinking, you know, oh, I want to get old. I want to be older. I want to go to college. I want to do this. I want to be on my own. I want to start driving a car. I'm like, oh, but you have to pay for insurance and gas. Because when you get older, you get all these privileges. But they come along with responsibilities. And that's when responsibility comes is when we start to worry. Worry. And we worry about ourselves, we worry about our family, we worry about our children. And and, and you know, I I have, you've seen my parents. They worry about me as if I was still a child, and I love that though. Don't get me wrong, especially on my birthday. (laughs) But, 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 when we get older, worries come. And the older we get, the more responsibilities we get, our worry gets bigger and bigger bigger and oftentimes we forget that God can be our confidence Isaiah 43 2 says when you pass through the waters and this is the Bible reading that we had the brother Haley read to us this morning I didn't cut you off this time When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Now, none of us, none of us have the ability to predict the problems we'll face this this week. None of us. But there's one thing we can be sure of. That in the midst of the challenges and problems that we'll face this week, God is going to be with us. There's no doubt about that. I'm going to share a couple little stories from the Bible that I, I'm passionate about because I love these stories. The first one, the first one. Th- this is uh, it found in Daniel chapter 3. This is a story of Daniel's three friends. Remember that story? I think it's also known as a, as a three Jewish men story. Hebrew men. I guess in different language, they're Jew, other Hebrew, whatever. Um, Both of them are accurate, though, because they were from the tribe of Judah, so they were Jews. So they are in Babylon, and and just like Daniel, they were placed in in, in positions of authority. They were governors of different um, uh, provinces, and they were advisors to the king. But now the king, if you remember chapter 2, in chapter 2, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, has has his dream. And in this dream, he sees a statue, and the statue was composed of different metals. Gold, silver, bronze, iron, and the feet wear a mixture of clay and iron. So Daniel is there. The king has a dream and, and nobody can tell him. And Daniel comes and said, O king, he tells to Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. Now that sounded so good, didn't it? You are the head of gold. But after you, Daniel says, There is a lesser king coming. Okay, that wasn't so good. Because no king wanted to hear that his kingdom had an expiration date. Daniel didn't die for the bad news. But in the next chapter, we find Nebuchadnezzar building a statue completely out of gold. Like saying, Daniel, ah, that's a good idea. But let me tell you what. My kingdom is not going to end. In fact, I'm going to make everyone, every single one of the governors, every one of the people in charge to worship my statue. At the sound of the music, everybody should bow down. And you remember the story, right? We remember it from when we were kids. The, the trumpet flew and, uh, the trumpet flew. It didn't flew, it, it blew. Um, well, maybe, right? bow down. No, I'm just kidding. Um, So so everybody bows down except the three young men. It's always come to my head the question, why wasn't Daniel there? Well, you have to remember something. They were not in the capital. They were not in the palace. They were in the province of Dura. Daniel had become already the governor of Babylonia. When the king was not in the palace, someone trustworthy, had to stay guarding the throne. The one who stayed was Daniel. Are you with me? So now when they're in the province, the, the music goes, everybody bows, except these three young men, and they're accused. Pe- people come to the king, other Babylonians come to the king and tell them, Oh, king, let me tell you that there's three Hebrew men who are not bowing before your statue. When they come before the king, the king has a question, why aren't you doing it? And they said, okay, we believe in a God, and He's the only one who we will bow to. And even if you throw us in the fire, He will, He has the power to save us. But this is the key. Even if He doesn't, we will not bow before your statue. The story tells us that this man, where taken by soldiers, taken into the fiery furnace, and the fire was heated up seven times hotter. Now, let me explain something to you. It wasn't that it was 300 degrees and then they multiply it by 300 and then 700. No, no, no. See, they didn't do that. It just means, it's biblical language to say it got really, really hot. So when they bring them close to the fire. The Bible tells us that the soldiers who were taking them died. These men went in the fire, and the fire burned the ropes that were tying them up. Now the king looks inside, and there's not three anymore. There's four. And one looks like the son of the gods. That's what it says right there, right? That's the expression of the king. But we know who that is, right? Who's that? Just checking if you're awake. So now they bring him out. And the Bible says that their clothes did not smell like smoke at all. It burned the, it burned the robes. It burned the soldiers. But it did not burn them, not even the stench of the smoke. It was what I call a selected fire. Because see, when you are in the fire, you are not alone. God is going to be with you. And even if he's not saving you, as long as you remain faithful to him, he has the power to do miracles. So the benefit of his presence is that... His presence calms me down. You remember Moses? Moses had an issue. In fact, uh, uh, next year in, in, in January, we were going to start a new series based on, on Moses. But I'm all excited about it that I'm telling you now. But uh, uh, Moses had an issue. He, he was chosen by God, but he messed up. He went with his own idea. So he ended up 40 years in the desert. When God meets him at the bush... He has five different excuses. And for every excuse, God gave him a solution. Oftentimes we worry, not because we don't know what to do. It's because we don't want to do it. But even when we don't want to do it, God always gives us the solution. Psalm 23, 4, yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of dead, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, this is the image of a shepherd, right? How many of you have been shepherds ever? No, no, but so we don't get this. We don't get this, but this is how it works. See, shepherds, we've seen the pictures. We've seen the little drama with the little kids on, on 13th Sabbath. We've seen the, the little sticks they carry, right the shepherds. Those sticks have two purposes, have two purposes. One is to protect the sheep from the animals who might devour them. And the second one is that when the sheep start going astray, the stick is used to bring them back. Not necessarily to hit them. I know you're thinking about it, but no. Just to guide them, to bring them back. And see, that is exactly what God does. When we worry, maybe it's because we're afraid of something, God uses His staff to protect us. And when we are trying to go away from God's plan, but we're worried about it, God always brings us back. The benefit of God's presence is that He calms me down. The third thing that I want to share with you, family, is that when I'm tempted... When I'm tempted, God is my counselor. Has anybody been tempted here? Well, not here, but you know what I mean. Um, The way I see temptation is like this. There was a time when in every household we had a VCR. Remember the VCRs? Video cassette recorders, they all looked the same, just different colors. The buttons were the same. Play, pause, stop, record, fast forward, rewind. Same buttons. Maybe had extra buttons when they were fancier. The $30 one and the $100 one did exactly the same thing. One, two heads, one, four heads. You remember. VHS players were interesting. In fact, they they became so common that when we bought one, we took it out of the box and we plugged it right away. How many of you ever read the instructions? Why is it that we didn't read the instructions? Because this is what we said. I know how to do it. I know better than the manufacturer. I've done it before, right? When we're tempted, this is exactly what we say. I know better than the manufacturer. I know how to do it. I've done it before. But what happened when things didn't work? I threw the box away already. The instructions were in there. Right? This is what God says. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Wait. Such as is common to men And women. Don't, don't, don't think that only men. So temptation that you face is what everybody else has faced. And then it says, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. In other words, the temptations that you face, you can get out of them. There is no temptation that you've gone through that, oh man, that's too big for me. I'm falling, I'm falling, I can't get up. No. And then it says, but with the temptation, now this is grace. With the temptation will also make the way to escape. That you may be able to bear it. Now, not only the temptation that we face, we're able on our own to escape it. But God knows how we connect the VCRs. That He says, "Look, I'm going to give you an extra manual. This is how you can get out of it. When you get the image all fuzzy, this is what you do. See, God, God is not only help, but also cancels." Let me tell you something about temptation. Temptation is designed by the devil. All temptations are designed by the devil. God does not invent temptations. Those are inventions of the devil. But listen carefully. If you're going to be awake for 10 seconds, this is the time you want to be awake. But God uses temptation teach us how to obey. Temptations are designed by the devil, but God uses them to teach us how to obey. So even when the devil wants to make us fall and take us away from God's plan, God uses those intentions to help us to come back even closer to Him. Now, the question is, where is God when I'm tempted? Well, let me tell you, family, He is right there. He is right there. I don't know, but if I know God is there when I'm tempted, if I remember that God is there when I'm tempted, if, I, if I'm aware of His presence when I'm tempted, I think that I will face temptation in a different way. Because God, it's right there. I put it to you like this. You go to uh, the buffet to have dinner. And uh, there's only a few churros left. You go with your plate and you grab all the churros. I don't even like churros, but I'm just saying, churros. You grab all the churros. And there's somebody looking at you like, Really? What a pig. What do you do with the churros? You take a couple and you put them back. I don't do that ever. But because somebody's watching you, somebody's watching you, you act differently. Okay, you didn't, okay, you, you're not, that is not your temptation. Let's say that you're with your date, with your significant other. And you are at her parents' home. You are not going to be as close to her when her dad is watching you. Did that ring a bell? Why are you laughing so intensely, Harry? I don't know. (laughs) Now, we are different when we know someone is watching. Well, remember, God is everywhere. When we're tempted, He's there. Not to, hey, 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 I'm watching. No, it's just because He's there. And He's there to guide us, to help us out, to counsel us in the moment. Because the fact is, every sin that I commit, every sin, I do it in the presence of God. And when I remember that, the next time that I'm tempted... I might behave a little different. The fourth thing that I want to share with you is that when I'm discouraged, God is my comforter. A while ago, I read a book titled, Where is God When It Hurts? And the author goes everywhere. And at the end says, God's right there. And that is not true. I didn't have to read 199 pages to know that God is there. God is there. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. By the way, at the end, at the end, there's a card for you. And I'm sure some of you, I've seen you, I witnessed it. Some of you are memorizing the text on the cards. I know that for a fact. But I know some of you have been tempted by the devil not to do it. This is a text that we'll have to memorize this week. Let's read it. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. And if there is something that I can be assured of today, is that every single one of us at one point in our lives, even right now, have experienced a broken heart. And God is there. God is there. And saves such have a contrite spirit. Some of you are going through rough times right now. And and some of you might be discouraged. You don't know what to do. Life is very difficult. And there's always challenges. There's always problems. There's always people who let us down. Our employment let us down. Our health lets us down. People who we trusted the most let us down. But God is there. God is there. Jesus was teaching to his disciples, and in the middle of the teaching, he said, Guys, I'm leaving. What? Jesus, we left everything. We left our jobs, our families, we left everything to follow you. What do you mean you're leaving? Yes, I'm leaving. It is necessary for me to leave. Where are you going? When is this happening? These are the words of Jesus. I will leave you a comforter. Someone who is going to be with you now until the end of time. Because you will never be alone. My presence is going to be with you. You might not be able to see me but you will have the assurance that I am with you and everything that you do in my name will be done when you remember that I Psalm 116.8 says, For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe before I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. Let's go backwards on this text because I know you're confused. The psalmist is making an assessment of the reality of his life. Of the relationships that he's experienced. And the first conclusion that he arrives is this, all men are liars. And some sisters might say, amen. He's saying, all men are liars. And the reason why all men are liars is because we are given to sin. We fall into temptation. And and usually this is what happens, family, and it happens to all of us. When we commit a sin, the next thing that we think about is, how can I hide it? And that automatically automatically makes us liars because we're trying to cover the truth. And unfortunately, we try to cover the truth before God because we forget that God is there. And then it says, verse 9, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. The psalmist says, If I do not walk with the Lord now, I will not be able to walk with the Lord later. If I don't understand that His presence is with me today, I would not understand that His presence is going to be with me for eternity. The experience of the relationship with God is not to be practiced in heaven. It's to be practiced on earth. Unfortunately, many of us, we think of heaven and we long for heaven and we wish for heaven, but we think of it in a, in a, like, like this fairy tales. In a long, long time from now, in a land far, far away. But the intention that God has for us is not to live for then, is to live for now so that we can be ready for then. So, this is what, what the psalmist says For you. Y- you see that you, the Y, is capital? That means that is who? God. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. When I was tempted, when I was suffering, when I was heartbroken, you have been there at every stage of my life. When I was heartbroken, you were there. When I was tempted, you were there. When I felt abandoned, you were there. Because you have been always there. And because you have been always there, I want to be with you. Notice that the experience of the psalmist is something that happened during his life. It was not something ethereal, something that will happen in the future in another place. It was experience that happened on earth. Because the benefit of understanding God's presence is that He sees me through while I am on this planet. I'd like to show you a, a picture of a bridge that some of you might have even driven through it or walk through it. This is a Verrazano Bridge in New York. This bridge, this bridge it was built to, to unite the boroughs of, of Staten Island and uh, Brooklyn. And today, I can use my iPad and ask, Siri, how long long is the Verrazano Bridge? In theory, would tell me, would give me straight facts. But if I were to ask a retired construction worker, 85 years of age today, who for two years when he was in his 20s worked in the construction of this bridge, I would not only get the dimensions, the right dimensions. I would also get stories about the bridge, experiences about the bridge, details of the bridge that nobody knows because it happened as, it, as the bridge was being constructed. Family, the reason, the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because our problem is that our Christianity, our religion, our experience has become a knowledge issue. It has been a, a cognitive experience. But what God is saying here, family, what I'm trying to tell you today is that the only way that our life on earth can be the same life that we have, that we experience in heaven, is when today we allow God to be part of our experience in every area of our life. Yes, even when we suffer. Yes, even when we're tempted. Yes, even when we are heartbroken. Because it's in those moments when we experience God the least. When we we allow god to be part of those moments our experience on earth becomes real because it's nice to say god you're here when everything is fine oh we're so blessed but we forget that god is also there when things don't don't go so well and the difference between siri and the retired construction worker is that he has been there. Just like the psalmist, when I was alone, when I was about to fall, when I was tempted, when I was heartbroken, you have been there. So it is my prayer today that we let God be part of our difficult moments, just as we let Him be part of the good ones. Just as we acknowledge God when we receive blessings, Let's acknowledge God's presence when we don't. Because then and only then, the robes can be burned and oceans can be parted. Then and only then, hearts can be transformed and God will receive all the glory. But only if we let Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are... Before you today you know our hearts you know our minds you know our thoughts you know everything about us but father we, we'd like to ask you to forgive us for the moments that we haven't acknowledged your presence we want to ask you to forgive us for the moments that that we forgot that you have always been there and father we pray that today we build the courage To tell you, God, thank you for always being there. When we feel sad and alone, help us to remember that you are there. When we're tempted, help us to remember that you are our counselor. And we're never alone. When our heart is broken, God, help us to remember that you can bring comfort to our hearts and minds. And that you... Are the one who restores what is broken. You're the one who redeems the lost and brings life when everything seems dead. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.